Please remember that you can support the podcast via Patreon. The link is below. Otherwise, stay tuned for the podcast starting now. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Alec Hodg, uh, founder and publisher of biznews.com. Uh, he's also a writer, broadcaster, and disruptive media entrepreneur. Um, so welcome. Uh, thank you for you Pleasure. coming on. Uh, and maybe one of the first things we can start off with is uh, the people that do know you uh, would know that you, you started you started MoneyWeb uh, back in the late nineties, I think it was. Um, and what what made you start it? What why did you want to start a business kind of thing? And in particular, like MoneyWeb. Well, Darren, I've been a financial journalist from the get go. Uh, I left university after finishing my first year doing a BCom because I knew I was wanting to be a financial journalist and that was the best way into the business. And while I'm on my university VAX, there was an opportunity to join the citizen or apply for a job at the citizen as a trainee. And I applied for it and duly got the job. Uh, it was a, a kind of a, a dream of mine to become a financial journalist. I had the, the privilege of uh, being exposed to the area uh, in my national service. Uh, I was one of those uh, guys who ended up in the army magazine of all places, even though that worked out. But I, I took a few photographs during my uh, weekends at school uh, for the local photographer in Newcastle and through a series of coincidences ended up it, at uh, being a photographer at the Army magazine and then another series of coincidences was sent to Port Elizabeth to open a, uh, an office for uh, what was called Paratus and uh, started writing uh, in seriously at that point. Anyway, so having been exposed to journalism and uh, loving business, to me, it just seemed like the best place to be would be a financial journalist. And literally, that's what I did. So from going to The Citizen in 1980 as a trainee, I worked there fairly briefly. I was um, offered a job at the Rand Daily Mail, which was the greatest newspaper, in my opinion, that South Africa has ever produced, and enjoyed a, a, a few years there. Uh, and then after the Rand Daily Mail, worked at various other publications, including The Sunday Times, uh, The Star, Finance Week, uh, and then decided to give it my own, uh, give it a go in my own business. And that's really the story. So I started a news agency called Alec Hogan Associates. I mean, what else? And from that news agency, we began a publication because I had a restraint of trade from our biggest client. I wasn't allowed to do anything in publishing in the financial area. So I started something called Racing Digest, which is a horse racing magazine, and learned in that way about publishing. It wasn't a great success, Racing Digest. It lasted a few years, uh, but it taught me everything that I needed to know about how difficult it was to be a publisher. And when um, the internet did come around uh, about five years later, I uh, understood almost intuitively that the opportunity, what the opportunity of the internet was when other people were still not sure uh, how they could apply it to their own businesses. To me, it was quite clear that it eliminated the cost of distribution and the cost of printing. And as a result, for a, if you're going to do a publication, you could put that 80% of your costs into people, into content. 
and you'd have a superior product. So that was kind of my route into deciding to uh, to leave uh, the established world and to go out on my own at a time when in South Africa, anyway, the internet was extremely nascent and uh, the, the jury was out on whether it was going to last, let alone transform the world. Well, since then, we, we, we do know it, it has lasted uh, and it's become uh, ever president or ever present in our lives. Uh, and, and since MoneyWeb, uh, you have started Biz News now. Uh, and with regards to that, have, have you had to pivot uh, any in any way uh, from previously running uh, MoneyWeb, uh, the way in which you run it? Uh, and and are, there, are there any challenges in particular you face now uh, that may have been different uh, from, from your time back in MoneyWeb? Uh, well, the, the yeah. beauty about MoneyWeb was that it was very early on. So we got a great name. MoneyWeb is an amazing name. Uh, we were able to buy, well, that was MoneyWeb COZA, and then we were able to buy MoneyWeb.com. So you can see I'd always had global ambitions, and uh, that wasn't as expensive as you would probably have to pay today. Uh, I then was very fortunate because having had MoneyWeb for only a couple of years and very, very small at the time, there were only perhaps five of us working there, uh, the uh, I was approached by a billionaire here in South Africa, a guy called Jonathan Bear, uh, who saw the internet as a big opportunity, because by then, this is the uh, 99, uh, it was appearing to most people that there was something more to it than had initially been anticipated. And he bought into my company we, he, on the proviso that it would be listed on the stock market. And that's what happened. So we listed MoneyWeb in 99, July, we raised money at a, uh, at a PE of over 100, projected PE of over 100. We raised 10 million rand. And my sense then was that this thing was growing so fast that all you needed to do was to avoid being roadkill and you would have a good business. And that's really where, uh, where the whole idea of listing on the stock market went to. I had 15 amazing years at MoneyWeb. Um, I started it literally from uh, above a room above my garage. Um, I think employee number one came along after only about a, about nine months or so. Um, but we then had uh, the, the the problem hit us in that we had anticipated that the internet would change everything. But in fact, it, it didn't. It certainly didn't in publishing because the major publishers all saw this very stupidly, as they would all admit today, as just an add-on, an adjunct to their services. So they gave away advertising online for free. They gave away the content for free. And that's why so many publishers today have gone out of business, the newspaper companies, because they did not, they were fearful of the internet uh, cannibalizing their businesses. But instead of building a business in that space from the outset, they tried to wipe out all the competitors by making it free. Of course, on MoneyWeb's perspective, we had a big problem because our uh, opponents or our competitors in, this, in the South African space were giving away what we were wanting to charge for. So we had to look for alternative ways of, of staying alive. And we did that through uh, going into business radio. There was no business radio in South Africa at that time. 
And I'm very happy to say that today there's something like five business radio programs, but it was almost, it was more necessity than, than uh, brilliance. We, we were run, not running out of money, we had enough money, but we were finding it very difficult to charge people for advertising online. And we had to find an alternative revenue stream. So I went to the SABC and we started market update on SAFM. Uh, that was also in the late 90s. It wasn't very long that after that that we moved the show to 702 and created a competitor for ourselves at SAFM and then moved from 702 to Classic FM, which was in big trouble and, and needed to turn around, injected quite a lot of money there, money that we could raise because we were a public company, fixed that up in two or three years, and then went back to the SABC with uh, Ariskes Geldsaker, which was a much bigger uh, program than we had at Classic. So it was interesting the, uh, that, that I, as I was going along and, and starting all these business radio shows, that uh, we were creating competitors in traditional radio. Today, we, with Biz News, uh, when I left MoneyWeb in 2012, I was given a, a year's gardening leave and then had to decide during this period what I wanted to do. Uh, was I going to just be a freelance journalist and, and write for various um, uh, business day and financial mail who, who asked me to do columns for them? And uh, CNBC Africa, I, I did some, uh, I did their lunchtime, their power lunch show for a few years. But it, it always occurred to me that I hadn't quite mastered things at MoneyWeb. It was almost like we'd moved halfway away from uh, newspapers to the digital world. But there was a whole lot more that we could have done to become completely digital. And that's the way we built business. We built it as a remote company. Our staff, literally today, six years on, are based in Dublin, Edinburgh, uh, London, Johannesburg, and Cape Town. And we don't, at the moment, have a fixed abode. We don't have an office. We're going to change that next month um, when we are going to start bringing on interns. And you can't have interns working remotely. So, and part of that reason was I had a lot of success with interns at, um, at, at MoneyWeb. We, we really developed some of South Africa's top financial journalism talent uh, through our internship program. And that's what I would like to replicate. I think as you get older, you realize that it's more important to give back than, than to take out. Uh, and the problem is to have interns, you have to have a, a, a fixed office. And we've, uh, I had the experience in the UK for a period of, of uh, going into WeWork, so, and WeWork has opened up in Santon, just around uh, the corner from where we live in Bryanston, uh, and we, we're going to be taking offices there with a fixed studio to do podcasts, with a fixed uh, office for the intern. So it's almost come full circle in many ways uh, that we, we're back into the audio world, but not on a radio program, more technology-driven in podcasts. We're back with, uh, with a fixed uh, office um, because of our interns, but by the same token, we still have retained uh, a lot of the remote basis, and we've got many of the tools that we use in a remote world, which gives us a, a, an advantage of being able to leverage technology uh, and then scale up the business in that way. So it's a it's it's a new every day is a new exciting day. I mean, I, I'm inspired by so many people, but including uh, Jeff Bezos, who talks about day one. Uh, in Amazon, every day is day one. Well, for Biz News, it literally is every day, day one. 
and we, uh, you know, we're having a lot of fun doing it, which I guess is, uh, I see podcasting as the, as actually very similar to what I saw with the internet in 1995, 96, 97. Um, podcasting is nascent, early, it's, it's going to transform things. You can see the way that, uh, I don't want to say too loud because then Alexa is going to come on and ask me what I'm asking for. But uh, just the whole voice-driven uh, uh, processes for, uh, of technology is transforming a lot of the way that we consume um, content. And I believe that, that uh, that's where we want to be. We want to focus uh, on podcasting in the early stages so that we can build a presence in the same way as MoneyWeb was, uh, was able to focus on the internet on text in the early days of, of that uh, game changer. Yeah, and you speak of podcasting, and I, I read an article, uh, must have been a week or two ago, about uh, the percentage increase uh, or, or growth of, of podcasting globally, and it's, uh, it's yeah, really shooting up uh, and outperforming every other form of media. Um, so it definitely does seem to be the future. Um, and and you do speak of getting interns and that uh, and and yeah you know, your your way of giving back and and kind of uh, nurturing uh, the, the the future talent. Uh, but I wanted to find out: is there any advice that you would give to anyone looking to to start uh, an SME in South Africa? Um, there are a lot of young entrepreneurial people uh, back home in South Africa, and yeah. Is there anything that that you advise them on, Darren? I've been, I've had a, an amazing life. First of all, I realised what I wanted to do before having to experiment elsewhere. So my first job was in, uh, well, it wasn't really before I did national service. My first job was in the bank, uh, as people would do those days. But my first uh, real job was in financial journalism. I, I left it for two and a half years. Uh, when I was made that proverbial offer you couldn't refuse by ABSA and I was in between um, uh, my own business and, and, and a new business. So that was good because I went, I was on that side and then I was uh, able to be exposed to what corporates work like. Um, but generally speaking, I've been very lucky in that I've got into what I love and what I'm passionate about. Uh, and I, I think that's really my advice that I would give to anybody is just do what turns you on, do what you're passionate about. Don't uh, accept second best. I, you know, there are a couple of, of quotes that I can refer you to. The one is uh, Steve Jobs' uh, commencement address at Stanford University in, I think it was 2007. Uh, now, Steve Jobs, like me, didn't, <laughs> didn't spend much time at university. At least I did a year and passed everything. He only spent six months at, at his university and then spent the rest of his six months just swanning around, never wrote exams or anything, and never went back. And Steve Jobs, I guess, had a little bit of a, uh, uh, anxiety when he was asked to do this commencement address at, at Stanford. And if you read his biography, it'll tell you that he got hold of one of the best scriptwriters in Hollywood to write the speech for him, accepting that the speechwriter uh, reneged and a week to go hadn't written anything yet. So Jobs had to write his own speech and it is one of the most brilliant speeches that you'll ever listen to. Commencement addresses in the US, of course, uh, are, are really a big deal and big universities like Stanford try and get the best possible person 
to have this commencement address only once a year. And what it is, it's the end of the year to say to the students who have now graduated, here you go into the world. And what Steve Jobs said in that commencement address was, don't ever uh, accept a second best. He said, every morning, have a look in the mirror. And if you say to yourself, what I'm going to do today, I will have to do for the rest of my life, and you aren't excited about it, then look elsewhere. Don't settle. Uh, he, he talks about uh, doing what you love, being an affair of the heart. And I believe that I believe in that so strongly. It's similar advice from another guy who I've studied, in fact, written a book about, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, the, the world's greatest investor. He's still 80, he's 89 years old now, but he's still as, as sharp as a knife. And his view when, when he gets students who visit him in Omaha is uh, he often gets that kind of a question and, and the response is always just do what you really love. Doesn't matter if you can't be paid for it, just do it. And I've got an example of that, a real life example in, in my life. When, when I uh, had that uh, magazine racing digest, a young guy came to, came to me. He'd just been fired as a trainee race commentator. And he said he was, he just had to be involved in racing. Could he work for me for free? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I'll take anybody for free. At that time, we, we certainly did. Of course, we did pay him. But his name was Clyde Basil. And Clyde worked for us, well, I suppose a modest salary for a little while. But it gave him the confidence to go back into calling horse races. And today, he's South Africa's premier horse race caller, has been for decades. But it just shows he, he didn't give up on what he was passionate about. He was prepared to work for free to to establish himself in that field. And that's what I'd say. It, first thing, uh, do what you're passionate about. Second thing, business is has got its own language. If you were to open a restaurant in France and you had no idea how to speak French, you'd go out of business very quickly. If you open a business and you don't understand accounting, or numbers, you will also go out of business very quickly. So just get a rudimentary understanding of numbers at the very least, or better still, find somebody who does understand numbers and ask them to help you. And the, once you understand the numbers, you then understand the next big thing about business, and that's cash flow. If you haven't, it doesn't matter how much profit you appear to have on the books, you, if you don't have the cash flow, you won't be around for long. Again, I've got a personal example of this uh, with Racing Digest. What happened with Racing Digest was we were doing so well uh, on paper. We had fantastic advertising income. We were making, those days, about 60,000 Rand a year, which was a nice profit to be making. Excepting we didn't make any profit because the people who paid us or, or were taking out advertising were racehorse uh, breeders. And they only got paid twice a year when they sold their horses at sales. And if they didn't sell well, uh, if the horses did not fetch the prices they anticipated, then they just didn't pay us. So we had this massive bad debt book. And uh, when, when the money did come in, it was just to pay the banks, really. Uh, so look at cash flow. What's happening on a daily basis on the, ca on the cash flow? Uh, be, have your finger on the pulse there and don't be... Uh, seduced into believing that paper profits are actually meaning that your company is, is successful. Your company is only successful when the money actually hits the bank. 
And yeah, I just want to thank you again for making some time to, to come on today and uh, appreciate your insights.